Holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everybody, it's Sam with Pro Wrestling Overtime. Yeah, I know. You read the title and you immediately thought Sam has forgotten to give us what we want. No, 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 no. I'm going to sound off on the 18 wrestlers with the WWE that lost their jobs. I'm going to talk about that. It's just going to be in the next episode. Watched another Heels and thought, you know, before it leaves my memory, um, I really need to get on this and record something, get it out. So that's what I'm doing on Heels. Season 1, and if you guys hadn't heard the great news, it got renewed for Season 2, and this is Episode 3 that I'm on, and it's entitled Cheap Heat. Now, in the wrestling business, Cheap Heat can, you know, be a lot of different things. It can be something as easy as MJF from AEW walking to the ring with his cocky strut and make it a joke about whatever city they're in and immediately the crowd is against him and he has... A bunch of cheap heat. Now, sometimes cheap heat is a little more expensive. It's not as cheap. It's um, a giveaway. And that's what they do in this Hills episode with tissues. And it seems like... At the end of every scene or mini program that they do in this particular episode, they're trying to get cheap heat. They're trying to get you to care, get mad, get happy, get excited, get irritated, be whatever. And they want to do it from just little lines. 
And that's usually, in professional wrestling, what GPD is. It's something that is said. You know, heel turns or... Even if you're a heel, beating up the baby face, torturing them, that'll get you heat. It may get you outstanding heat. That maybe even the entertainment media or the sports world, you know, finds exciting. But... What a lot of fans, what a lot of wrestlers, what a lot of promoters have realized, sometimes you turn a character heel in order to get a pop on them, or you turn a heel baby face to get them over, and it doesn't work. And I can honestly sit here and say, after watching episode three, they didn't do much that didn't work. I thought for sure that we would not find out what happened to Jack and Ace Spade's dad, Tom. Tom Spade, who was the founder of DWL, Duffy Wrestling League. And they had been hinting at things. Uh, we knew he had recently passed away. And by recent, they haven't really told us. But I'm guessing in the last two to three years. Maybe three to five. But I think it's two or three years that he's passed away. And we learned in the previous two episodes how it affects both of the boys, kind of how they handle it, or kind of how they just don't handle it. And so I thought it would be the halfway mark, if not the end of the season, before we found out the underlying factor, why Tom Spade died, how he died, um, and why the boys are so affected by it. But we don't have to wait. And maybe that's why I so enjoy the pacing of the series. And I can't help but think it reminds me of AEW. And I know there's some of you sitting out there and going, of course it does, Sam. You aren't AEW Mark. Um, yeah, I will only admit that numerous times on this podcast. I can't think of another promotion, though. Maybe MLW. But I think it's AEW that really reminds me of the pacing of this show so far. Remember we're in episode 3, and AEW is not even in year 3. They're fast-paced. I mean, look at Rampage. 
it is probably the best hour on TV right now. Not to say NWA and MLW aren't very, very good, because they definitely are. But I can honestly tell you that uh, AEW, the pacing, the segments in between, whether they be interview, whether they be vignettes, whether they be video, uh, really get you invested in the story that's happening tonight or the story that's happening on Wednesday. They're not cutting big long promos about full gear in September. Now that we're, today's November 7th, and it happens on November 6th, yeah, that's what we're hearing, that's where we're kind of focused. But Rampage doesn't really make you wait. Well, Hills doesn't either. They open this particular episode up showing you, not telling you, not letting the characters tell you, but letting music and you watching what happens, you are brought in to hopefully find out about this character. Because the very first scene is kind of like, I guess I would describe it as a flashback. But I'm getting so used to the beginning of this series Showing us their life before. Like I said, this is very quiet. Um, music playing very soft. And we see Tom, Jack and Ace's dad, the founder of DWL, running. We'll see in previous episodes, we've seen Jack running in the mornings a lot of times before Thomas has to go to school so that makes a connection to me that he's kind of picking up his dad's routines and we find out that Tom Spade at the time was still wrestling that he was called King Spade and that one of his slogans or catchphrases was, you know, long live the king, and he was going to be in a ladder match with, I thought it showed on the billboard, Wild Bill, but I'm not 100% sure. So, Tom comes back, and we see him on the lawnmower. Well, that connects us to last week's episode. Remember? We were talking about how the lawnmower played a little bit of a factor last week with the grass being high. Thomas not wanting to practice soccer, didn't really know how to. And Stacy and Jack starting their argument that can kind of continues. 
it's an underlying argument in their relationship that Jack just can't spend enough time with his family. He's always focused on wrestling. And so, Stacy ends up mowing the yard, but also the field where Thomas was kicking the soccer ball. So in the flashback, we see Tom doing the things that Jack doesn't do. That Jack feels like he didn't have time for or not important or not far enough up the rung of his ladder to knock wrestling off. We see Tom mowing the grass. We see him hanging a sign that reads Carol's Garden above like a a building that they have. And he appears to be walking to do something else. As he does, he sees a deer. And it is eating his wife's flowers. Still, no word spoken. He doesn't try to scare it. He doesn't clap his hands or anything like that. You just kind of see him irritated look. And then he gets this, ah, I gotta take care of this. And he marches in the house. Now, my first thought is, Oh, maybe he's a hunter. And we're going to see him shoot the deer. So that's... I'm from the South. And they're in Georgia. So um, I just made the assumption. Yeah. He's going to kill this deer. I thought, well, okay. He marches into his bedroom where a lot of people in the South keep their guns. But he goes to the dresser and he opens up a box that contains a handgun. He pulls it out. He doesn't even check if it's loaded, which is typical of the South. Um, I think I've been in numerous houses because of one of my past jobs. You just automatically in the South assume every gun is loaded. And rocking and raring to go. Obviously, that's exactly what his was. Because, like I said, he did not check the gun to see if there were bullets in it to see if, you know, they were already, you know, put into the, up to where the chamber is so that he could fire at will. He walks out to the porch, kind of glances where the deer is, And they take us to a up-close shot. We see Tom look far off and just immediately put the handgun under his chin and pull the trigger. We don't actually see the bullet leave the chamber because they immediately then switch to kind of a drone shot or a crane shot from a completely different angle from behind him. 
And we see him stagger, and he immediately just falls over the banister and lands. You are then put back into the house where we see Ace. The younger brother stumbling. He's just woke up by the gunshot, and he's got a Georgia Bulldogs blanket wrapped around him. And we see him head outside and look around. And I don't know what made him look immediately down from where he stood near the banner. But he sees his dad. And then we see Ace again. Like we did in the first episode. Start shaking. And you can see how he began to crack. How he began to crumble. Now, a couple of my friends had watched this before me, but we talked about it. And they said it was really jolting to them. I think helping me out is doing these episodes after I'm watching them. And sitting down and thinking about them. Because that leads me to think about what is going to happen. What could be next. And that's what I do by doing episodes immediately after shows or the very next day. Taking the time. You don't see me doing immediate reactions. Especially after paper. I want to process it. I want to think. What could be happening? If you go back and listen to any episodes before, I I try to have reasons why I don't like this match, or I don't like this program, or I don't like this wrestler. And I have solutions, usually. So that's what I try to do with these episodes about heels. And, yes, I watched Roads on Top, and one person wrote to me and said, you're kind of recapping and giving your thoughts on heels. Why are you not doing that on Roads to the Top? And I said, well... It's half an hour long. It's not a drama. It's not something that they sit down and wrote from the beginning. And so, uh, I don't know. But maybe I will. I I don't really know. But with that opening sequence, you can see that no one, in this show, is going to always be a heel or always be a face. Well, that's good. I know that it's easier when we know who the hero is and who the villain is. You know, when we watch the Marvel movies, they're a little bit more real, but we basically know that our hero going to kind of come out on top. He may go through some struggles. 
but he's going to come out on top. He's going to be a good guy. That's just not how life is. It's not. We're all heels at one time or another, and we're all usually baby faces at one time or another. Maybe you're a baby face in your life to certain people, like your kids. Maybe you're the good parent or whatever. And that's how it is in the wrestling business. You can have the best baby faces in the whole entire world. You meet them at an airport. You run into them. You go to a meet and greet. And you find out this baby face that you absolutely love um, might be a heel <laughs> in real life. Or, you know, I, I have always heard about Bruiser Brody. I've went back and watched some of his matches because obviously I wasn't around when he was big and popular but everybody talks about how scary he was in the ring and how he tortured wrestlers and were in these wacko matches and, and everything but they'll quickly immediately say though in real life he was nothing like that he was a big sweet teddy bear and that he could be the nicest person. And I think that's that way in life. I've had people tell me stories, oh, I met such and such, and they really disappointed me. Um, I've read and talked to people that I've had different meet and greets virtually here in the last year since the pandemic and they didn't realize that basically they literally were getting two minutes maybe with the superstar because one of my friends said I thought I was getting at least five minutes I wouldn't have paid that much money otherwise and they talk about how, you know, different superstar wrestlers are, are rude, just cutting them off and, and everything. And then you go to some meet and greets, especially with the indie promotions, they'll spend half the night talking to you or telling you stories or remembering I can remember a fan talking about when Cody Rhodes had just recently left WWE in 2016 and how he went to several different shows. He met Cody once, but after that, he proceeded to talk to him at every show he went to. He would always say, hey, Cody, how you doing? I'm still a big fan. He said, I never paid for a meet and greet again. I bought merchandise. I would see him, and he said, he started remembering me. He remembered my name. He would ask about my family. And this guy was floored. Because at that time, 
he was Cody. You know, he was the nightmare. He had the bear. What's his name? Benny. And he had the ring. The ring of honor where he was making people kiss the ring or look at the ring and all that. So, pretty different. We then find out through the characters talking that Jack, he had been helping with the business and he'd been wrestling. We talked about his passion last episode about season two or episode two. And Ace had always said he never wanted to be a wrestler. But Ace was reeling from his dad's death. He wanted to still be close to his dad's memory or feel closer to his dad. And he knew the wrestling business was something his dad loved. So, when Jack said, hey, won't you come be part of DWL, Ace saw that kind of as an opening to try to connect with his father. Jack, I don't know that he really wanted the family to all be together at DWL. Um, I think he wanted... Ace there, because he knew he could make money off of him. And so, maybe there was a little bit of manipulation there. And it leads to, I think, one of the most poignant scenes of this episode. When Jack looks at Ace and talks about turning him heel. And he talks about how how he beat Ace. And he cried in the ring and he said, what's wrong with being a heel? And Ace says back, I'm a face. Dad was a face. Get that through your head. And Jack immediately looks at him like he's nuts. Like you didn't know that at all. And he gets this kind of smirk on his face and tells Ace, Dad was a face? Tom's babe. Tom, the king. Spade was a face because he was a good guy. Yeah, he was a real good guy. He leans in and almost whispers to his brother, He was such a good guy. He knew you were home when he did it. Well, it was almost like Jack hit him with a punch. He 
you could see a walk away. He was hurt, but he was determined. And Jack kind of should just say that, you know. He wasn't just like whatever. And, you know, he immediately starts talking to Bobby, who's the new guy, and really green. Kind of awful. And trying to pump him up, saying that he's going to be facing Ace this week, and it's because he's really good, and he thinks that he can take care of Ace, on and on and on. In reality, Jack doesn't believe that. He is using Bobby to further the storyline. And sometimes I think when we're watching professional wrestling, we want to believe in a character or a wrestler so bad that when the writers at a certain promotion or whatever start using that character that we love to almost build up another character. They're they're the foil that deep down we all know is going to lose because they're building up this other character. Um, I used AEW. I used MJF. I have used Cody. Let's go to WWE and give you an example in Naomi. Right now, Many think that WWE's writers are using Sonya Deville as the general manager, authority figure, boss, whatever you want to say, to poke at Naomi, using Shayna Baszler to poke at Naomi. So, she keeps getting floored, she keeps getting screwed over, she keeps getting banged, she keeps losing, and she's getting so frustrated, and I see people on Twitter and on Reddit, that's okay, because she is going to really just haul off and punch Sonya Deville in the mouth, and she's gotta win, and... Everybody thought it was happening on Friday. Mm, It didn't. Because, see, I firmly believe Naomi may never really get up on it. And by that, she may eventually win, but at what cost to her and her character? I actually think WWE Creative is using Naomi and because people love her and she has been a babyface for a while. She was shown on Total Divas saying, I don't really want to be a heel. And 
she was kind of getting some heel heat when her and Lana were becoming a tag team. I can't help but think they're using this to build Sonya Deville. And I can't help but think this is going to be the way they're going to get Sonya Deville's character the maximum heat. As she keeps turning heel, keeps turning worse, and we're going to see Adam Pierce come in and throw them into a cage, throw them that everybody is banned at ringside or something, so that no one can come help Sonya, no one's going to go help Naomi. And we're going to see Sonya get back into the ring. Does that happen? Does it not? I don't know. But that's how I see it anyway. See, he has to deal in heels. Jock has to deal with Rooster. He's a wrestler that's extremely talented. He's extremely athletic. He's been told that. He's been working. Holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately. For the ones who are always in the know. For the ones who keep things running. For the innovators and the problem solvers. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, experienced staff at local branches, and free access to experts to help answer your toughest questions. So whatever challenge you face, we have the knowledge and products to help. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. And on his promos, the fans seem to really get behind him. And he wants to talk to Jack. He keeps picking weird times to do it. And finalized, Jack kind of decides, oh, I just need to give it to him straight up. And Jack flat out tells him, look, when it's right for the story, we're going to put you in there. You'll go for the championship. You may even win it, but it's got to be right for the storyline. And you can tell Rooster doesn't believe it. And he flat out looks at Jack and throws it in his face. He said, I thought things would be different when you took over. Which gave us a big hint that maybe Tom's management wasn't that great. And that some of the wrestlers were actually excited when Jack was going to take over the business. 
And so... We see Ace and Rooster complaining to each other. Ace thinks that he has been wronged by Jack just like Rooster. And Rooster wants to make sure he explains, no, dude, we're not exactly alike. You're the son of a wrestling promoter. That could have came in here and been a star any time you wanted. Rooster proceeds to tell him how he's loved wrestling since he was little. He watched anything and everything. And how he's been working pro since the time he was a teenager. Which automatically makes me think, you know, Starboy Charlie, Nick Wayne. I mean, we're seeing them come in younger and younger and Rooster explains to him how he has had to climb but it's Rooster who actually gets the point that everybody Crystal, Jack, the other wrestlers have been trying to tell Ace all week your days being a face they're over that dog don't hunt anymore and people I saw on the board uh, read it they were like what in the world does that mean well if you're in the south which is where they are you know exactly what that dog won't hunt anymore means uh, there's a certain time that if you have hunting dogs that, whether it's because they're old, whether it's because they don't want to anymore, they lose interest, um, you know, maybe their ears are shot from all the guns and all of that, but hunting dogs eventually stop hunting. And so he's basically telling Ace... Get over it. You cannot be a babyface with these people anymore. They saw you cry in the ring. They don't believe you're the strong babyface that's going to protect them from all those evil heels. And he basically tells him that... Uh, You've got to go out there and show that crowd no mercy. And that's basically exactly what Ace does. He grabs the mic and he hits Bobby with a cheap shot before the bell rings. And then he just basically starts showing his arrogance to the crowd. And that's the thing. There's a difference between being cocky and being arrogant. John Moxley is cocky. Cody Rhodes is arrogant. Jericho and MJF kind of go back and forth. 
depending on the time and who they're talking to and all of that. So boos start to erupt when Ace is being arrogant because I found that most people don't enjoy arrogance. So, you know, they start basically giving it to him. And he gets a lot of booze. One lady who is heckling him, and he confronts her, says, why don't you go cry about it? And throws the tissues in the ring, which allows all the people in the audience who have received them at the door as a giveaway to throw tissues at him. So, he's overwhelmed by this. He leaves. He comes back. And in his head, when they threw tissues at him, and because he truly doesn't understand the wrestling business, he uses the emotions that he is feeling, which is being mad. And basically kicks the crap out of Bobby. And wins. So, he comes backstage. Crystal is trying to talk to him and he says, Look, you're not my girlfriend. He turns to Willie and calls her a bitch. And then, when Jack steps in, he says, This is what you wanted, right? I'm a heel now. And he kind of walks away. We see a half smile on Jack's face. Because, yeah, it was what he wanted. And we found that it paid off. And that's what a lot of wrestling promotions do. They know they're going to hurt their wrestler. Or they know they're going to hurt their fans. Think about how most of us felt when Bianca Belair lost to Becky at SummerSlam in 26 seconds. It was such a shock to most people. Now, if you had been following the news, and you had seen my articles about how Sasha Banks, at the time, was not vaccinated and was fighting with Vince over the vaccination rules, then you kind of understood that she wasn't going to be there. Who were they going to get to fill in? Well, see, I had already heard Charlotte was going to interfere in Becky's, or excuse me, Becky was going to interfere in Charlotte's match. So when Sasha didn't show up and refused to show up, 
Well, they basically just switched Becky. And the fans turned on the WWE. But they were fine with that. Because they took that and made money with it. And that's all that mattered. You saw that in the DWL on heels. Willie is counting the cash. And Jack says, well, how do we do? And she talks about how... You know, money is up. But she also mentions, well, you pulled in a ringer, too. You paid the Ricky Rabies to come in. And Ricky Rabies, of course, is CM Punk. And he played a aging veteran that was brought in to take on Jack for his championship. And people had followed him throughout his career and came out to see him also. But Jack kind of assumes that since Ace Kate became the hill that he wanted him to be, that he wrote him to be. He looks at Willie and says, you know, it was the right move. He's got to see that in time. And Willie just kind of shakes her head. So the cheap heat came for Jack. When Ace got booed, when Ace himself turned himself heel. And Jack thinks that, you know, he's going to get it real soon. And then Cheapy came again for Jack because he feels like he was proven right by the amount of money they had. But see, there's also some Cheap Heat that gets thrown by Stacy, his wife, who this week had a get-together with some friends that she hadn't seen in a while, and they probably talk on the phone, but don't really interact a whole lot. They hadn't been to Duffy in a while. It appears that all three of them left. We see them sitting around the dinner table at a restaurant, talking, and you get the feeling that Stacy is longing for what they have. One of them talks about traveling and how her next trip wants to be to Machu Picchu, and you can definitely see that. Well, because the waiter comes over and mentions that wrestling's tonight, her friends decide they want to go to the Dome and see it. They, whew, they are impressed that uh, 
Jack and Ace look so good because they saw him at the wedding and how they've grown up and they look a little different. And they see Jack strutting out in the promo he cut and they're amazed. They even go so far to test they see Joe. You're the queen of all of this, you know. And they're driving home, Stacy and Jackard, and she starts talking about them going on vacation. And he was like, oh, really? Where really do you want them to go? And of course she mentions Macho Picchu, which is down in Peru. It's a Incan and then site where the Incas built massive places to live, to worship, basically up in hills in Peru. And he starts saying, well, what about Thomas? What about Jack? He doesn't mention wrestling, but buddy, she um, lets him have it about it. And he accuses her by saying, really for the fight. And at the end of it, he says, look, you came to the show, you got to have some drinks and dinner with all your friends. Everybody had a good time. As they're pulling into his mom-to-post to get Thomas, she says, and then they got to leave. And she is longing for something better. Jack's going through. 
and he made that business to the vendors because he was so passionate about wrestling and about that promotion. Was he passionate about wrestling himself or writing the scripts? I think Jack enjoys wrestling, but I think he more enjoys escaping into his character. And I think he loves writing and being in control of the stories of all the wrestlers that are in DWL. But we know that he's really turning his family against him. And by family, I mean his wife, Thomas, his mom, Ace. And it's like he jumped into the pool. God, he was getting his feet wet. He jumped into the pool, and then his dad died, and now he's off the deep end. He's enjoying it because he's swimming. He's keeping his head above water. But he sees his family shaking their heads because they don't think he's going to make it, and they're tired of him swimming. They want him to get out of the pool and spend time with them, talk to them, and eat with them, and all of that. And he loves the water maybe too much. So I think this season is going to be about will he continue to swim? Which will make him drown. Will he continue to swim and try to make it to the ladder to join his family or will he get out of the pool in the wrestling business so I don't know I thought it was interesting but not really a main part of the story but I think it may come into play later Crystal was with Ricky Raby's wife. Or we thought it was his wife. The way they talked and flirted and acted very familiar with each other. I got that feeling, and it was obvious that Crystal did. They had been together as a team in wrestling for 15 years, 20 years, running the roads all over the place. And we see his wife talk to Crystal and say the job of a valet is to keep a wrestler happy, to relax him when he's feeling nervous, to comfort him when he's feeling pain but to also let him vent if he needs to and take care of all his problems, I guess, is a good way of putting it, maybe. And then at the end, when they're leaving, when Ricky and his wife are leaving, he makes the comment that, come on, we gotta go. I gotta get home to Betty. 
And we see Crystal look at his valet and say, Who's Betty? And he says, Well, that's my wife. That's my loving wife of 15 years or 20 years or whatever he says. And she looks at Vicky and she says, I'm the road mistress that takes care of his needs when we're wrestling. And I think that's very eye-opening and we may see come into play later. We saw it come into play this episode when Ace was feeling bad and they were in the laundry room. And we got our sex scene of the show. But when he came back, he said, you're not my girlfriend anymore. So where is that going to take Crystal? And before Jack gets to his mom's house to pick up Thomas, we see Willie driving home, and she pulls into her driveway, and a drunk Wild Bill is there. I can't help but think they have a past. Is it a past just because he was at DWL? Or was it a relationship maybe that went bad? Is that why he left? Is that why he didn't become a partner in DWL? My favorite, 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 favorite saying is something that I learned from my dad. Um, of course my dad always wanted me to be good, be a very stand-up person in the community, someone that people could count on, but I couldn't help but think of him during this episode as Ace and Jack were arguing. Ace points out that he believes he wants to be a babyface. He wants to be the good guy because good always trumps over evil. And Jack immediately comes back, and I excuse my language, but he says, quote, evil has got a fuck ton in the trophy case. Well, from the time I was little playing basketball, playing t-ball, all of that, I would gripe that things weren't fair. We were the better team or whatever. And my dad one day, I was probably about eight or nine years old, told me something that he told me the rest of my athletic career, and even as a coach. He said, the good team doesn't always win. The more talented team doesn't always win. The better team. The guys that are cheating. The guys that are mean. The guys that bend and almost break the rules. 
there are times that they win. And he looked at me one day on the field and said, if they didn't do that and win, and the good guys always won, then why would they ever want to be bad? And I said, I guess they're made that way. And he said, are they? Are they? He said, or is it that they are just a victim of their circumstances and getting by the best they could? If everybody was a good person, a good team, a talented team, then everything would always end up in a tie. That's not how sports are. And my dad liked a little edge into his athletes, and I have found that I do too. Which is why you hear me liking John Moxley, Cody, MJF, the Heels. My dad brought me up on Dale Earnhardt Sr. in NASCAR, where Rubin's just racing. And if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I like Tom Brady. I like Rob Gronkowski. I like uh, the old classic games stories I hear about Larry Bird. How he had an edge about him. How he trash talked. I liked Connor McGuire. McGregor. I like T.J. Dillonshaw. I think a lot of people don't understand that. You can be both good and bad at different times in your life, different around different people. You can go from talking at work. Being good to going over across the room and having an edge or being a little bad in order to get some heat. You can poke at people. And we all do it. And I think that's what the bottom line of this whole entire episode was about was the fact that you've got to understand Ace isn't the good guy of this series, but Jack's not the bad guy either. And we're going to see them flip-flop the whole entire season. And I am super, super ready for next week's, or here in a couple days, I'm sure, Maybe today, I don't know. Uh, 
ready for episode four. And it's going to be about cutting promos. I just wonder if the emphasis is going to be on cutting promos. Because see, parts of wrestling, they cut promos. Meaning, they practice them, then they go out and deliver them, and they're good, and we all go home. And then there's those special promos. And they're cutting promos. Or biting promos. Or promos that pop. The promos that you remember. Kind of like Friday night. This past Friday night, you got to see some promos. You got to hear Roman Reigns say, I take one week off. And SmackDown falls apart. It's almost as bad as Raw. Well, that was cutting on writers, cutting on wrestler, not stepping up. But we got to see the real cutting, hurting, going back and forth promo on Friday night also on AEW's Rampage with CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston. There's no doubt in my mind that those two guys had bullet points in their head of exactly kind of what they wanted to say. But what they said was from their heart. What they believe about their characters. What reactions the crowd gave them. That made them say their promos in a certain way. A certain tone. With a certain kind of delivery. And whether to use their hands or not. To talk. And how they used their hands to talk. If you didn't get a chance to watch AEW Rampage, I guess it would have been November 5th. I suggest you look it up. AEW posted it on Twitter, and I believe they did on their Facebook page. Look up the CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston promos. They didn't wrestle, but I sure wanted them to. So I can't wait to look forward to the next episode. Guys, I'll talk to you soon. And hopefully I get to see you down the road. Holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately. For the ones who are always in the know. For the ones who keep things running. For the innovators and the problem solvers. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. Experienced staff at local branches and free access to experts to help answer your toughest questions. So whatever challenge you face, we have the knowledge and products to help. 
Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.